0: And the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land your Lord is giving you, and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, that any manslayer may flee there. And this is the case of the manslayer, Who flees there that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in past time, in time past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and his head slips from and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of the cities and live. Lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, Pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long, and kill him, though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated the victim in time past. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he swore to your fathers, and gives you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, and to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. But if anyone hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him, and strikes him mortally, so that he dies, and he flees to one of these cities, and the elders of this of his city shall send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die your eyes shall not pity him but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel that it may go well with you um, and verse 14 you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark which the men of old have set in your inheritance which you will inherit in the land that the lord your God is giving you to possess.
1: Okay, so we have this whole situation with the cities of refuge. Um, he has already provided, back in chapter four, for three cities of refuge in the Transjordanian region. I guess I should
0: uh, move this. Can I get us right direction this Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, And uh, so now in the main region of Canaan, they are supposed to set up three more cities of refuge here in verses 1 to 3. Now the whole idea of the cities of refuge are basically towns that give asylum to people who are guilty of accidental homicide, involuntary manslaughter, that kind of thing. He gives uh, the kind of some criteria and some illustration of that. Essentially, you know that it's not murder if it's not a weapon that was used, and there's no prior history of hatred and animosity in the relationship. You're you're chopping down a tree, and the act head flies off the handle and kills someone. You know. That, the axe is not normally a weapon, certainly not used in that way. And uh, if there's been no problem between them, then what you understand is that was just an accident. The person didn't know that the handle was going to fly off and kill that person. And yet still, the person was killed by what he did. The basic procedure for dealing with a murderer in the Old Testament was that the avenger of blood would kill it. The Avenger of Blood would be like the next of kin. So even if you killed your neighbor by the axe head slipping off, if the Avenger of Blood catches up to you before you get to the city of refuge, he can kill you. For that reason, they wanted to have those cities of refuge easily accessible, good road system to them from anywhere in the country, and kind of evenly distributed to where it wasn't very far to any to the nearest city of refuge from anywhere that you were. He even provided in verses 8 through 10 for the provisions of adding three additional cities of refuge, making nine where they to conquer more territory there's no evidence that that was ever needed or that they did ever establish 3-4, that they never conquered that additional territory. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. I think it's practical law and very similar to our laws. How would we as Americans most commonly commit uh, some sort of involuntary homicide like this? Vehicle, yeah. Um, I remember... Uh, When I was uh, living in Kentucky, I think this was about 87 or 88, there was a really tragic story. It was a 17-year-old going to a private school, by all accounts a wonderful young man. It was a winter day. He parked his car outside. It was a sidewalk. He did not scrape the frost off of the back of his car, the back window. And as he backed out of his driveway, he ran over someone on the sidewalk. So, you know, there's a, a an example of just exactly that. didn't perhaps know the person, had no animosity against them, was not intended to do that. But it would have been a case of, of involuntary manslaughter in that case, or accidental homicide, whatever, vehicular homicide, perhaps. But it, it was not purposeful. And so under the law, he could flee to the city of refuge. Now, There were some qualifications there. First of all, if he wanted to be protected from that avenger of blood, he had to stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. However long or short that may be. Um, And I'll tell you what, if I were him, I'd have stayed after that too. (laughs) But theoretically, the avenger of blood did not have the right to kill him after the death of the high priest. Perhaps the idea of the death of the high priest in some way satisfied the idea of needing someone to be, be killed because of the uh, involuntary manslaughter. Thus, the high priest death, to some extent, atoned for uh, that, that, uh, what was done. Um, you couldn't just go to the city of refuge and claim asylum if you really were guilty of involuntary manslaughter. And so they would have a trial. The elders of the city would determine whether or not it really was purposeful or not. And they would look especially at evidence like, was there a weapon? And was there some evidence of, of bad blood between the people prior to uh, them being killed? So they would, they would have a trial to determine, does this man really deserve asylum in the city of refuge? or not, Um, uh, just very interesting uh, information, interesting things to think about, probably more just than some of the ways we do that. I believe the boy I told you about went to prison. Um, uh, Normally, I think in our country, the sentence would be lighter but there'd be a, a severe sentence or something like that. Uh, difficult situations come up. And this was God's provision. This is how God handled those kinds of situations. Comments and questions about that? Yes? You know, I know some of you folks who uh, really don't believe that freakish you know, things can happen. That you know, there's always some kind of small little motive behind uh, one, of the, one of the people involved in a particular action. But I think this passage really does show that you've got to understand sometimes accidents like really so there, was no, there
0: was no fault by somebody. Now, I do think we need to be careful about the way that uh, we go out with our lives. We, we don't want to purposely take risks,
1: um, but we should. Certainly. And there are some laws we'll look at later that condemn negligence sometimes it's an accident but it's an accident because you didn't do the proper things to avoid that perhaps that was the situation of that boy but um, yeah there's there's a lot of uh, different things to look at and think about Sean
0: did the avenger of blood have to go after this person
1: well I suppose I, I don't know if I know the answer to that but I think the right thing was that the innocent blood be purged be, at, be atoned for I mean the the injustice demands some kind of punishment. So I think that would be the principle. You know, beyond that, I'm not sure. So, yes.
0: I think it's interesting here that he's making the distinction between um, the intents of your heart, because when dealing with murder, that's part of what the Pharisees missed, and that's what you discussed in um, Matthew five. Sure. He says, "Yes, murder is bad, but that's not like the heart the issue. It is the heart." Right. And- Okay, so, how come if you commit another crime, you
1: get a trial, it's all good, but if you, somebody ends up dead, there's a guy coming after you, and you don't get a trial unless you make it to city. Wow. Well, that's just the way it was. I don't know that I've got an answer
0: for that. Somebody got to the Maybe there's something to be said for swift justice when death is involved. Good.
1: That's your brother answer your hand.
0: <laughs>
1: Other questions I can't answer. I told someone earlier in the day, you know, back in 93 uh, to 96, we lived in Sao Paulo, and they teased me a lot for saying that my favorite answer to a question was, I don't know. So, <laughs> I, things haven't changed much, unfortunately, since then, so. Now, look at verse 14. Here's another issue. I just went ahead and grouped that since it's kind of a single verse. Not moving your neighbor's boundary mark. What's that all about? Yeah, stealing the property. The boundary mark would be like the the stakes or whatever that showed the the property line. Well, you know, you'd always like to have a little more land to farm. So uh, what if you kinda little by little go out there in the middle of the night where nobody's looking and kinda move those those stakes or marks or whatever? That's a good way of stealing some more land. Doesn't seem very violent, maybe it doesn't seem like going into their house and just grabbing something, but you're you're infringing on the territory and God wanted the territorial holdings to be kept with integrity. It's wrong to steal people's land. There's another passage or two in the law and a couple passages in Proverbs that deal with that idea. You know, God wants justice. You know, it, we're not allowed to cheat. You know, period. Questions? Yes. Uh, Nicole. Maybe I'm not saying this, but how does that fit in with the law about
0: death? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Some. Sometimes I see the pattern. Sometimes I don't see the pattern. Other questions or comments? Yes. Um, Were the people who were escaping the vineyard laws like able to take their possessions and family with them to the city of
0: refuge?
1: I wouldn't know any law against the rest of the family going. He might
0: want to get there first, though. Yes go back to her question. I'm not exactly sure if it is supposed to be in the section with uh, the, the laws about death. I think it may go more towards the section ahead with witnesses, uh, especially with uh, verse uh, 17, where there's both men in a controversy. I can see where we're moving boundaries would kind of incite that controversy.
1: Yeah. Although it's still interesting that everything pretty well around it deals with death. But maybe maybe we're mis-looking at that. So, you know, sometimes when I come up with some outlines, I don't necessarily mean they're totally accurate. And always remember, there's more than one way to outline a passage, always. There's always more than one angle, one analysis. Don't get trapped with your outline. You know, always consider other ways to analyze. Usually there's more than one valid way to look at how a passage develops because it's God's word. There's a lot of depth to it. Yes. This doesn't say so here. Was
0: there a
1: punishment for we losing the landmarks? I don't remember a passage that gives a punishment. So I don't know. Or we move back into their land I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> but
0: I don't remember anything. <laughs> Other <laughs> thoughts? Yes, right. There is this piece, too, on the, uh, the adventure of blood, and the flip side of that is the Kinsman Redeemer that we see in, especially in the roots. And you know, Naomi, Naomi comes back, she's got no name. And there's, if, if the Kinsman Redeemer doesn't redeem her, the boundary piece is into that, too. That her land is gone. There's no air to take that on. Um, and so There's, there's some tie with that boundary.
1: Okay, I hadn't thought about that.
0: Scott? Uh, but you see in Mount Ebal, chapter 27, curses is the man who moves the neighbors out yes. of your specific
1: Yeah, okay, good point. <laughs> good point. Genesis 27, so cursed by God in that situation. The, the, you know those blessings and cursings. Cursing's on Mount Ebal, and he gives 12 of them there, I think. <laughs> Very good. Other thoughts? All right, uh, 15 to 21. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord before the priest and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently and in the fault and in the witness, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Okay. Um, You've got various uh, matters of, of the judicial system here. First of all, you cannot accept the evidence of a lone witness. There has to be at least two. Now, why would that be? Exactly. You know, if you have one witness, you know, uh, Brandon accuses Robert of stealing his car. Robert, did you steal his car? So, Brandon accuses him, Robert says he didn't. How, how do you say, well, we'll convict him on the basis of Brandon's word, when Robert says he didn't? You know, so that's kind of a, That's kind of a tie. You know, there's going to have to be another witness if Josh says he saw Robert Thiel car too then Robert Stokes, but <laughs> but just one on one is not good enough. So, but on the other hand, there is a great penalty for being a false witness, being a malicious witness. There is so much throughout the Old Testament. I would particularly suggest Proverbs Mm -hmm. on the importance of honesty as a witness. You know, not bearing false witness was one of the Ten Commandments. And then it's just a lot of passages in the Bible because you think about people who are willing to lie can get innocent people killed. So it's a very serious problem with the judicial system to have a lying witness. So there were severe penalties for perjury. If they find out that the witness lied, then he gets what was going to be done if the accused had been convicted. So if it's a capital crime, then he gets killed. If it's a crime with some other penalty, it's done against him. The idea was to keep people from lying on the witness stand, to deter others from perverting justice. You know, false accusations really just damage the whole fabric of the judicial system. Um, and so he said, don't pity. You know, make sure you punish fully a lying witness when it's proved that the witness was untrue. So that, those are some of the judicial principles. You know, a lot of these are things we would understand as proper judicial principles in our society. But the thing that I continue to see in this is how just and righteous God is. How much He wants the right thing to be done. I-, I think we have to have a real commitment to honesty and truth, and a real commitment to doing what is just, what is right. We don't bend over backwards to favor the weaker, the poorer, the richer, the more powerful. Or whoever we we've got motivation sometimes to favor this one or that one or the other one. We just can't do that. We need to be people who are extremely just and fair. You know, we can wrong people by just trying to cater to someone because of their weakness or their strength, <clears throat> because of their power or their vulnerability, or other concerns, our friendship, you know, our past, you know, whatever. I think you really see a lot in here. God's concern for absolute justice.
0: Seth. I mean, we we probably wouldn't think too much if we heard of someone robbing a billionaire of five thousand dollars, where five thousand dollars to me would would be would seem like a lot more. Is there a tie between this and how God feels about when we commit crimes against Him? It, it seems like He is very, very serious. We might have the attitude of, well, we're not really hurting God when we commit idolatry or, or some other way. We're not really offending them. We're not really taking anything away from Him. Uh, but it seems like He takes it very seriously.
1: And we're created in the image of God. And God wants every man to be treated with justice and integrity. I mean, I think this is a part of what God has a vested interest in, is, is justice being done. Joke. It should just give us so much more greater love for Jesus because all these things were done to him, and yet in Peter it says he entrusted himself to God that this was God's plan that all these things that he doesn't want us to do to each other were done to his son. Yeah, that's exactly right. How was Jesus convicted on the basis of false, false witnesses. witnesses? Yeah, and, and his own testimony, ironically, because they couldn't get too. False witnesses—they were paying to lie to agree. You know, pretty incompetent. But, but still, yeah, it was—it was based on false witness. It was and Jesus was uh, such a terrible miscarriage of justice that yes. he endured all of that meekly because he wanted to sacrifice himself for us. Good point. Other thoughts? Okay. Um, He's got rules about warfare. Here we'll start into this, and then we'll take our break. Uh, chapter.